0: At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate digital agronomy platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This
1: is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used
2: herein are the property of a Syngenta group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. paid for by america first legal
0: you're listening to the huddle up podcast with chad jensen and zach kelberman join bronco's country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off and now it's time to drop some knowledge welcome in everybody
3: to the huddle up podcast <clears throat> excuse me presented as always by Mile High huddle powered by overtime media i'm your host Chad Jensen with me as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we were just talking right before we hit the old go live button that today's kind of been a sleepy, slow Thursday. And it was so slow that I actually finally went and watched the video of uh, Nick Wright of First Things First, not so much making his prediction for the Broncos and explaining it, but rather showing the graphic and explaining why the chiefs are going to go 14 and 2 in his estimation and the broncos are going to go 3 and 13. Obviously we touched on it a little bit yesterday but watching it myself, I mean, I think the best rebuttal came from Eric Mangini in the very same segment, but how are you doing today, bro?
1: I'm doing pretty well in terms of Nick Wright Chad, Just a clown take, clown move on his part 3 and 13. Uh, it's it defies logic. He gets paid to make these prognostications and it couldn't be more invalid. Couldn't it be lazier, couldn't it be stupider. He gets paid for it though. I mean, and if Eric Mangini is making sense compared to you, you might want to look in the mirror and reevaluate what your life choices are to this point. I'm not taking anything Nick Wright says seriously from here on out.
3: No, dude, it's Well, well, I want to talk a little bit more about it because I want to read this quote from Eric Mangini. And then, of course, today's episode is all about you guys. It's the Mile High Mailbag because we are your football priests each and every week. We're here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions. And we can't wait to see what is on your mind. But first, just a couple of really, really quick matters of business, guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Pod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then while you're at it, make sure you also follow the main account, at MileHighHuddle, to stay plugged into breaking Broncos news and analysis as it's happening in real time as well. And if you're in a position, you can head over to HuddleUpPod.com, get yourself some Swag, whatever it might be, a hat, a hoodie, a t-shirt, a mask, a mug. There's stuff for boys. There's stuff for girls. Nothing up there for kids quite yet. We got the suggestion yesterday. Um, we'll, we're going to be looking into that as soon as we get a little bit of time. But check that out. It's another way to support what we're doing here at Mile High Huddle. And if you're not in a position to do anything like that, it's all good, you guys. We just appreciate you being here with us live, listening, and even more than that, contributing to the conversation here in the chat stream. Just make sure however you're listening to this or watching this live right now, you like the video. If you really like what we're doing, you can share it out. Help us grow and reach new listeners.
2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
4: I'm Su Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world. But he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything, and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince, from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore.
3: with regard to this uh, first things first prediction, I just want to read this reaction from Eric Mangini. And, of course, Eric Mangini now works for Fox Sports 1, former head coach in the NFL, former Bill Belichick disciple, uh, won a world championship, if I'm not mistaken. Or, no, it might have been after because it was Romeo Cornell that was at the initial um, dynasty. Either way, longtime Belichick assistant that went on to fail at uh, – pretty much every other level as a head coach in the NFL, but still considered to be obviously one of the bright young, or at the time anyway, a very bright, young minded uh, defensive coach. Now he's in media. Here's what he said with regard to this Nick Wright, who I swear to goodness, and this isn't me trying to throw shade at him. Zach, maybe I just don't watch enough TV. I don't know. I didn't even know who this dude was until yesterday. So for what it's worth, here's what Mangini said in regards to going three and 13 for the Broncos. Quote, the Broncos at three and 13, I think you're dead wrong there. Vic Fangio's effect defensively usually comes into play a little bit slower than some other coordinators, but it's coming. They won four out of the last five games, and they've added some nice talent. In the games they lost last year at seven and nine, they lost a bunch on the last play of the game. So I think they're going to push in that division a lot more than you have them. Close quote. Zach. Perfectly said by Mangini, but none of it even mentions Pat Shermer, Mike Shula. None of yeah. it mentions really Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, the upgrades on the interior offensive line. Is this just this year's version of the Adam Rank bold prediction?
1: It is. And, and Mangini doesn't have to mention those facts because it's so um, disputable, his 3 13 prediction. If they won more games with Drew Locke last year, Chad, four then Nick Wright is predicting the entire season. If the Broncos won more than three games with both years under Vance Joseph, they're not going to do the same with Vic Fangio with a better coaching staff, better personnel, better quarterback. Again, I said it yesterday. I don't know if Nick Wright or Nick Wrong, as the case may be, is doing it for clicks or ratings or whatever, but 3-13, when every or most other national media types who've been – Down on the Broncos, like Colin Coward is now predicting them to be the year of Drew Locke and the next playoff team, if he's going against the green, it's being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. That, or he's that uneducated, he's that lazy, he's that misguided, or he's that biased. Either way, it's a horrible look for him, all things considered.
3: Indeed. All right, guys, let's see what's on your mind. I think that's about really all the energy we need to put into this. (laughs) I keep going, though. It's fun to get after him and stomp him because – I mean, it's one thing to make a bold prediction, Zach. But at least, I mean, you're talking about the team that finished. Even if you your estimation of the Broncos is just very small, you're talking about the team that finished second, at least in the division. But then we find out that this dude's also a huge Chiefs fan, of course, and uh, it all it all starts to really. Add. I guess that that explains I mean, it. you can see it if you if you when you turn on the video, look in the background. It's his home office, like you see for me now, because all the, all these. Shows right now are being shot virtually. Right, people chilling at home, including like the TV late night talk shows. It's his home office, and behind him, it's just nothing but Mahomes jerseys and Chiefs gear and the that, whole night yards. So it makes sense. I'm sure he manages to keep that bias completely out of his predictions as it relates to the AFC West. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, but here's the thing, though: if if his favorite team is in the Broncos division, then he should know more than others that the Broncos are going to be better this year. It would explain it. What does that make Adam rank, Chad, a Raiders fan or a Chargers fan? I, it's only biased for so long. When you predict such an against-the-grain contrarian record of 3-13 and for a team that hasn't won less than, than five games in how long now, it's biased and just ultimately lazy analysis, Chad. It's the best way I can put it.
3: I want to address something really quick at the top of this show. Last night's show in particular, so Wednesday night's show from the live stream video, especially on YouTube. This is addressed to our YouTube community in particular. Some people are taking exception to how much time we spend talking to super chat superstars and the whole nine yards. They want us to focus more on the Broncos. This entire show is about the Broncos. Not only is it about the Broncos, Zach, it's about the community that is developing. Uh, within not only on YouTube, but the Facebook community at milehandle.com. Part of the joy you and I have of showing up and providing this content on a day in and day out basis is the joy of interacting with the audience, not just answering questions in a very sterile, like, let me just give it to you straight, move on to the next one. We like to interact and enjoy our listeners and yeah. our, super, our super chat superstars. They're always going to take precedence. And so, those of you who were complaining couple 2 3 it's not like it's a some big deal but those of you who are complaining i would either say look just listen to the podcast after the fact as a live or as a as a podcast that you can skip over things you don't like or just don't listen to the podcast this is how we roll this is what we do and if you don't like it there's a lot of other broncos podcasts that you can enjoy out there go find those ones
1: You know what? I'm not going to you know, pat ourselves on the back, but I think we do a pretty good job of being evenly diversified and taking Facebook questions, Twitch questions, YouTube questions on every platform, Twitter questions. We prioritize Super Chat because we feel like we have to give back to the people who support us, and that's absolutely the case. But we also take a lot of non-Super Chat questions as well. A couple of YouTube comments said – uh, n- not so many shout-outs, not so much promotion, but we don't really do that much. We laud you guys. We compliment you guys. We bring this show to you and and get your input and your interaction and base it around Broncos country. I'm um, sorry for the people who don't like us, Chad, but I think the majority feel feel otherwise.
3: It's all good, and that's why, too, you know, those of you who listen to this podcast religiously, you know how it's structured. We'll have a little intro segment that might last, you know, three to five minutes, little banter up front then we do the matters of business the how to follow us how to find us and connect on social media check out every other pod show. it's every single pod then we get to a main topic of the show then we get to questions in the stream and that's just the way it rolls so again no disrespect to any of you out there we do appreciate that you're watching the show we do appreciate that it matters to you and that you care so all i can tell you is we're not going to change the way we're doing it and if it bothers you that much? I would listen as a podcast after the fact on a on a platform that you can skip over sectors of the show you don't like. Zach, let's say hello to our great superstars. Yes. that have been hanging out in the stream. Uh, all of our awesome listeners, Duke. What's going on, my friend? Jonathan, good to see you. Toy Mafia. Uh, let okay. me see here. Cody, what's going on? Um, all of you guys who've been hanging out in the stream and are joining us now, welcome in. Let me see here. I want to make sure we're not jumping too far. Charlie, Oscar, Big E, Bonne Beast, good to see you, as always, my friend. Uh, David, all right. Christy, jumping in. $10 super, appreciate you. Christy, queen of MHH. You guys are amazing. Keep doing you. Appreciate that. Thank you. We appreciate you. Again, this show for us, I mean, I think that one of the reasons why people like this show is because we involve the fans more so than any other podcast out there And radio. I mean, you listen to sports radio, they have their text line. They'll have their segments where they'll take phone calls. That's all cool, but literally this entire show is us on a level with the listeners, finger on the pulse the entire time, talking about what's on their mind, what's on our mind. It's a, it's a, it's a total dialectic. We're talking to each other. That's just what makes this show unique. So I don't want to continue to derail it, but we appreciate you guys.
1: I love the interaction. That's what's most exciting to me and fun for me is getting the questions and getting the comments and the feedback. And when you guys disagree with the take, it's fun to have that banter. It, it, It would be no fun if everyone agreed all at once, Chad, if we all agreed on the same topic. So we love the interaction. We love our community. We try to express that sincerely every single time, and it's genuine. We do appreciate you guys more than you guys know.
3: Undoubtedly. Robert, on YouTube says, on paper, our team flew up the charts. The only real problem team wise is inexperience. We could use some corner and offensive tackle uh, depth, otherwise, good to go. Yeah, I mean, there's, you're right about that. It's the relative inexperience. It's also the fact that, you know, if we, if Rich Gangarello hadn't been fired, and I'm not saying this like I lament the firing of, of Rich Gangarello. Had he not been fired, we would at least have a much clearer idea of what to expect, at least from a coaching and an X's and O's perspective going into 2020. But with it being Pat Shermer, we can go back, watch film on his scheme in New York and his previous stops, Minnesota, Philly, Cleveland, all that. And it's very informative. But at the end of the day, we don't yet know exactly exactly how that's going to shake out on the 2020 Denver Broncos, what the offense is going to look like exactly, yeah. how all the new pieces are going to fit together. So because there are so many new moving parts, that kind of ties into a similar thing about the inexperience. We There's just so much we don't know yet, which is also why we're excited to see how this thing shakes out. But Zach, as a team that went 7-9, and nine, and as Mangini points out, and it's something we've talked a lot about on this show many, many times, Three, four games in which they lost on the final possession, single score, et cetera, that they could have and should have in almost every case won. Two of them, they were robbed by officials. This we could be talking about a Broncos roster, a couple of different, you know, way the cookie crumbles. They could have been a 10-win team last year, and it was the same group of guys. Like that's how close they were.
1: Yeah, I mean The other side of the coin, though, is they are inexperienced. It is a new coaching staff. It is Drew Locke's first season as a starter. There is, you know, questions surrounding Denver, and they have to put it together on paper and potential-wise and theoretical, it's all right there. But in practicality, in reality, I want to see it all come out, Chad. I want to see it all come together. Shermer might be a disappointment. Locke might take, not take that next step. I think he will. But it's valid to also say they're not an instant Super Bowl contender. They're not going to be the next dynasty yet until they prove otherwise. It's all these questions right now. There's optimism, but I want to see it in reality play out, Chad. Amen to
3: that. Jaron says, Adam Rank had us winning two games last year. How'd that go? Indeed. Right. Nad Ludlow jumping in $2 super. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Ned. You know, uh, we really do appreciate how consistent you are. CLP22 with a $5 super. Thank you very much, my friend. He says, finally able to make a live show. Who do you think will be the 2020 Broncos sack leader? Mm, That's a good question, Zach. Is it going to be Vaughn? Is it going to be Chubb? I think it's going to be Vaughn. I don't know. I could see it going either way, but I think Vaughn is motivated to prove that last year was a fluke and that he's the same old Vaughn. And Fangio's scheme is going to, I think, show more signs of clicking in year two. It's not going to take until the final quarter of the season for things to really come together.
1: And I think that benefits Vaughn Miller. He's also contractually motivated as well, Chad. He knows he's coming up for a new contract soon. He's getting up there in H. He's coming off a disappointing season. This new regime doesn't exactly have loyalty to Von Miller, including Vic Fangio, who chided him upon taking the job last year. He's playing for Von as well. But I do think we'll see a skinnier Von. I think we'll see a healthier Von, a more Von that we've grown accustomed to over the years. I think he'll lead the Broncos in sacks with something like 15 to 16.
2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
3: James, our uh, friend from across the pond, superstar, also helps out with uh, MHH on Facebook, he says. I mean, Nick, wrong, had the Dolphins making the playoffs. <laughs> they have made good additions, Miami, but no way their roster is better than the Broncos. Yeah, I saw that too. There, I mean, it's just like, come on, dude, at least have some kind of logical foundation for these records that, you know, you're you're picking arbitrarily sitting here in May. Christian jumping in, $5 super. Really appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Christian. It's heard Mike Kliss say that they won't get Jason Peters and they'll move forward with Bulls, James, and Wilkinson. I don't buy it one bit. That could be true. Again, you know, that's something that you have to factor in. Again, thank you, Christian. As a possibility that this is what the Broncos want to be the message out there to try as a negotiating posture, so to speak, I'm actually more inclined to take it at the face value, as I basically said yesterday. Mike Kliss also said that the, the the communication that has happened between the Broncos and the Jason Peters camp, Zach, it was Jason Peters agent calling the Broncos to test their possible potential interest in Peters, yeah. not the Broncos calling Peters. So uh,
1: It's what Kliss says, though. I mean, he's the he's going to parrot whatever the Broncos are telling him. It seems like, though, in any case, there was contact made between the Broncos and Jason Peters camp, and that's – a telling sign to me that they're not totally over the moon, 100% content with Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson, nor should they be. I think Jason Peters wants a lot of money. The Broncos don't want to pay a lot of money, but there is a level of interest there no matter what Cliss is saying. Dads
3: are us gaming. I hope that's going good for you, my friend. I hope you found a way to make some bank gaming as well. $5 super chat. Really appreciate you. you. If the Broncos wait to sign a left tackle, will all the talent be gone come the start of the season? I wish they'd make a move now to solidify that spot. In a perfect world, absolutely, dads are us gaming. You'd like to see the Broncos shore that up, but it just doesn't appear to be the way the wind is blowing. It really does. I mean, just based off what we know about how John Elway operates as a as a front office czar, there's the flurry of activity. When free agency opens, he gets his guys, goes to the draft, lets the dust settle. Usually no additional moves are made until they get – a feeling for how things are shaping up in training camp. So I don't think you're going to see any movement on that front, Zach, despite all the headlines. And we're going to chase him down at mile high huddle, of course. We're going to examine every single little piece of buzz that comes out. But I just don't think you're going to see any kind of movement if and unless they get to training camp and see that Bowles is stepping on as you know what or James comes up lame
1: or Wilkinson is pure bust at tackle. So just don't expect that to happen. Or until Peter's price comes down or Kelvin Beecham's price comes down or Cordy Glenn's price comes down. It seems like the Broncos don't want to splurge any more money than they have to at tackle right now. I would still be surprised, and I could be wrong, and I'll eat crow if I'm wrong. I would still be surprised, though, if they go into the season with Wilkinson being the sole backup behind Juwan James and Garrett Bowles.
3: Here's James again. When Broncos country or when the Broncos win four games by week five, the entirety of Broncos country should clown on Nick wrong. Yes. Yeah. Once they once they get over those three games, and it's gonna be early. I I agree with you on that. Get after him. Christy also showing some love on super Thank earlier you. than that previous one I showed. We really appreciate you, Christy. Yeah. You know that. And also Pobby in Iowa showing some love. No, no direct comment or question, just showing Thank some you. support means the world to us. You know that. And it's been great having you in the community, as as I've said a couple of times this week. So really refreshing. Also cool to see uh, the, the ladies in Broncos country flexing and being such a big part of what we're doing here. Uh, let's see here. Robert, we've been buzzed by veteran quarterback signings the last three years. Still feeling the burn. Yeah, I mean.
4: That the should,
3: it should feel like ancient history by this yeah. point because drew Locke, you know it's like it's like all is forgiven all is forgotten when you finally land on the guy you're starving you're wandering the qb desert <laughs> you're dying of thirst right and in the moment all you can really do is dwell on your pain and how much you're suffering but as soon as you find that oasis man boom you forget all about that and you just enjoy what you got and i think that's that's basically where the, where the Broncos are at.
1: Yeah, well said, Chad. Those five games with Drew Locke last year, four wins, that made up for the Joe Flacco. They made up for the Case Keenum, the Paxton Lynch. It doesn't make me forget about it, but it makes me kind of forgive, to use your analogy, Elway for making those mistakes, a quarterback. I understand the PTSD is there for some Broncos fans who are not ready to crown Drew Locke as a franchise guy, but this is going to take a lot of the sting away. This is going to be the aloe to Broncos fans' skin.
3: <laughs> I love it. Mike Evans becoming a superstar on Super Chat at Mile Thank High Hotel. Really appreciate you, Mike. Five dollar super. He says, keep doing what you do. You're in the zone. Appreciate it. Hey you. man, I feel like I feel like we've really found our groove with this show over the last, I'll say six months. We've really kind of hit a new gear and we're loving the way it's it's shaken out and the community and the whole nine yards. So appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Duke jumping in, speaking of superstars, ten dollar super. Appreciate your brother. you, brother. What's up, Chad and Zach? Letting you know, I don't have a Twitter yet, but I will get one. Do you think our defense will get aw- uh, get way more turnovers yep. than last season? And by the way, just through, here's your obligatory reminder. Thank you, Duke, for letting me know that. If you're a superstar, make sure you reach out. Let's make uh, ensure that we're connected on Twitter because we like showing you some love and connecting after each podcast, of course. Um, the, the thing he's asking, though, here – more turnovers this year? Are you seeing it shake out that way,
1: Zach? I don't see how they can. I don't know their final numbers last year in terms of I'll interceptions or sacks, but it, it's got to be higher. I, I mean, the, the virtue of Jerome Casey pushing the pocket, Bradley Chubb pushing the pocket, Vaughn being Vaughn again and pushing the pocket, that's going to hurry quarterback. It's going to force interceptions and vice versa. They're going to get a lot more takeaways. It's going to be a lot more active defense this year, and I'd be really surprised if under most statistical categories, they don't finish in the top 10 Chad.
3: All right, let me just pull up a few stats here defensively. This is from the end of season review that the Broncos PR department does a great job of getting out to us in media that really just takes all the information, makes it easy to find consumable. They do a great job with that. So the Broncos defense in year one under Vic Fangio, we know the injuries that dealt with Bradley Chubb. Bryce Callahan was never able to get on the field. Von Miller missed a game with a knee injury, wasn't quite himself throughout most of the season. Chris Harris Jr. had a kind of regressive type of year. All these obstacles that the Broncos had to overcome, here's how it came out in the wash. Net yards per game, Zach, they finished as the 12th-ranked defense. Net yards per play, they finished as the 14th defense. So, so far, middle of the road, right? Two two middle-of-the-road rankings. Points per game, they allowed 19.8, which put them in the top 10. This was one of two categories. Defensively, the Broncos finished top 10. Points per game, 10th. Rushing, they were middle of the road. 16th, passing defense, they were close to top 10. They were 11th. You get to interceptions, though. 10 total, which ranked in the bottom third at 25th. Fumble recovery, Zach, only 7, which also ranked bottom third at 24th. Overall takeaways, 17, ranked them 25th in the NFL. And then the one, actually three more here I want to get to. Sacks. The Broncos had 40 in 2019, which actually seems like more than the way it felt during the season, right? 40, not terrible. I mean, think back to the Wade Phillips defense in 2015 led the league in sacks. I want to say it was 52 sacks that they posted as a team that year. And it felt like it was every other play. Practically 52 sacks. The Broncos came up last year, 12 shy of that. And then Zach third down percentage. This is where they really need to get better. And this is where, Having an interior and a, an a edge pass rush that complements one another is going to play a huge role. They were 13th, allowing 37% third downs to be converted. But here's where their bread and butter was. This is what kept them in so many games, Zach. Red zone defense, they were first in the NFL, allowing only 39% of possessions that got inside the 20 to convert into a touchdown.
1: For the aforementioned stats, I will say again, I expect the Broncos to be among the top 10 in most of those, but the best friend that Broncos defense will have this year is their offense. Is having a capable quarterback, not going three and out, not turning the ball over, not giving the defense a short field, not putting them in precarious situations. Having a more well-rounded, explosive, capable offense will make the defense better as a result. I'd be really surprised, given the additions in the coaching, if they're not a top 10, if not top 5 defense in 2020.
3: Chris Al says, LOL. I can't believe someone would complain about that. Uh, LOL. The super chats are Broncos questions. Sometimes super chats answer my question that I have on my mind. Exactly. Same here. Oftentimes there are topics Zach and I want to get to that we just want to talk about and get each other's thoughts. And super chat will bring it up first or another comment in the stream. That's what makes this an organic process that we absolutely love and crave and look forward to each and every day. Frankie jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. Hey, good to connect with you also on Twitter. He says, "Hey guys, keep up the good work. Three and thirteen. <laughs> a few, a few emojis that I think are pretty self-explanatory there. Appreciate you, Frankie. They're going to win um, three
1: games in the first six games, Chad. If not more than that. So <laughs> I just can't get over this three and thirteen prediction. It's so off base, so off base, and just no
3: rationale to back it up. Um." rcjh jumping into us say speaking of supers it's not letting me send one unfortunately this feature isn't available in your region Mm. that is strange but i think that's just youtube being weird today it was down actually youtube was about 45 minutes before we went live today youtube was completely down no videos would render no videos would come up so it might just be that they're doing some kind of an update on the back end working out some kinks so just you can you can try again later my friend if if you if you choose to Uh, King Hicks jumping in to say, keep up the great work, fellas. This is a family community. Amen to that, my brother. Uh, Liberal hater, just showing some love. Appreciate that $20 super chat. Very generous, my friend. Appreciate you. And if you're on Twitter, make sure you reach out, and we'll have some conversations. We'll keep it going. Macken jumping in with a $5 super. Appreciate that. Are you guys drafting Drew Locke in fantasy this year? You know what's cool about Drew Locke? All right. Fantasy football, we've talked about this before. I don't spend as much time playing it anymore ever since MHH. I started MHH, so it's been seven, eight years since I really took it super serious, fantasy. But he's a guy that I'm taking a little bit later that a lot of your fellow owners in whatever league you're in, they're going to be sleeping on Drew Luck. Unless you're playing with a bunch of other Broncos fans, then they're going to know, right? right? But like with the league that I've been in with many of my tight buddies for 15 years, they're – Fans of all kinds of different teams, but they're just, they pay close attention to what's happening in the NFL, Zach. So I'm going to try and hope I can front load my draft with some, some impact guys and then maybe steal Drew Locke a little bit later. But I do think he's going to be a fantasy factor this year.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of superstitious. So I don't like drafting players that I either, I'm a fan of the team or I'm covering. It's just a weird superstition I have. I don't know that Drew Locke is a fantasy QB1. But in the two quarterback leagues, he's absolutely an option. In dynasty leagues, he's absolutely an option. But a good sleeper for Broncos fans. Just like Nick Wright, the national consensus is the Broncos are still a sleeper team. Drew Locke is still unproven. But if you have conviction, if you believe Drew Locke's going to take that next step this year, absolutely pick him up, roster him. You never know what could happen by midseason. and I think eventually he'll be a quarterback one. But initially,
2: he has to get to that level, at least in Fantasy chum. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
3: Amen. Jamal says, I wouldn't let the haters get to me. Y'all keep doing what you do. Definitely not going to let them get to us. It's not getting to us. But sometimes when uh sometimes certain things need to be said. You know what I'm saying? Um, Oscar jumping in, two dollars super. Appreciate you, you, bro. You guys are the GOAT Denver Broncos podcast. Hashtag state of being. Appreciate that, awesome. my friend. We really do. James here saying the huddle up podcast is mile high huddle's most popular. At the end of the day, and Super Chats have been absolutely amazing recently, it's a tough line to tread between Super Chats and regular comments in the chat, but you do a great job. We really do try to balance it. I mean, we really do try to balance it. It's not always easy depending on how outgoing our superstars are on a day-in and day-out basis, but we really do try to balance it. And speaking of which, Yanis, hey, guys, on Facebook, which opponent do you think, can best take advantage of our not so deep corner class. Is it something to worry about? Keep up the good work. You know, I Jeez. think any of the more accomplished and prolific offenses on paper, you got to worry about, including KC until right. proven otherwise. Tampa Bay coming in in week three with not only Gronk, but those two wide receivers, Godwin and Evans. i um, trying to think off the top of my head, New Orleans is going to be a handful for this team. I mean, they're unproven right now. A.J. Bouye is the exception. Even Bryce Callahan, he had one good year, and then he's been hurt. is the only thing even remotely proven at the cornerback right. position, and he's ha- coming off of a lackluster year. So hopefully this is a room that is really um, looking to not only bounce back and have a big year, but prove that they are not the you know D-league guys because – so many fans – I wrote about this today right before we went live on a, on a bouillet story. Broncos fans are really spoiled when it comes to the cornerback position. I mean, the OG Broncos fans can go way back. Louis Wright, Louis Wright, however you want to pronounce his name. It's different depending on who you are. He was the original shutdown corner in the NFL. Should be in the Hall of Fame. He's not. Champ Bailey, right? Then you get to the no-fly zone. Aqib Talib, Chris Harris Jr., Broncos fans have really been spoiled when it comes to the cornerback position. I mean, even Darren Williams, RIP. The Broncos have been have been spoiled. So this is the turnover at this position is really unprecedented. This is the first time that it's basically going to be completely new faces at the cornerback yeah. room. Whoever ends up starting, so
1: it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Seth. Even the Raiders with Henry Ruggs, Tyrell Williams, they can take the top off of defense. Pretty much any opponent that has an elite quarterback or a speedy group of receivers could give the Broncos problems, but I'm confident in Boye coming back to previous form. Bosby's coming back in the fold. Bryce Callahan should perform uh, reasonably well this year, and, you know, Mudia, they have him as well. They like him. He's going to be probably a starter, if not a significant contributor. Between them and the safeties and Vic Fangio, they should be able to do enough to override the lack of experience, Chad, in that secondary.
3: Appreciate that, Swink McLeod. I'm not going to complain about a free podcast where the hosts are thanking people for supporting them so they could do the podcast in the first place. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate you. Dickie wants to know, who's going to cover the tight ends for us? Still looking. Maybe the Wake Forest draft pick? Not initially, but eventually that's what the Broncos are thinking, Zach, is that Justin Sternad is going to be a factor as a coverage linebacker. Initially, it's going to be a safety probably, you know, like you take the week three matchup, for example, against Gronk. And who's the other one? Tyler, Br- is it Bray? Cameron. Bray. Other- That's right. Cameron Bray. Thank you. Uh, OJ Howard in Tampa. So there are some formidable tight ends coming to uh, Denver that week. And I would assume the Broncos are going to basically, it's going to take a village type thing. You're going to see safeties and linebackers having to cover them. And neither at this stage, at least on paper is ideal. That's why, We've kind of had some misgivings about the Broncos' confidence in rolling into 2020 with Davis and Johnson as their top two dogs again.
1: Am I the only one not concerned about Gronkowski? I, I just don't think he's going to be the same Gronk or anywhere close to it as we saw in New England. He just took a year off. He's off the steroids. So he's a shell of his former self now. Um, he's, he just came off the WWE winning a title. I mean, this guy is rusty. I'm not really scared of him or Brady for that matter. It's not going to be an easy matchup by any means, but Mike Evans and Chris Godwin terrify me more than Gronkowski and Cameron Brady do. I, I have pretty much confidence they can contain Gronk. Kelsey though, some of the other titans on the, on the schedule this year. Those could be problems.
3: I can't sleep on the Gronkmeister, dude. He always has such massive games against the Broncos. And you're, even though you're right in that, you know, he's been away, even Michael Jordan, anyone who's been watching the last dance on ESPN, which is phenomenal, even he struggled initially when he first came back after taking a 21-month sabbatical to play baseball and getting back. You know, big difference between baseball shape, Zach, and NBA basketball shape. Right. And, and the same applies for what you're saying with Gronk. So there's there's a real reason to ha- be skeptical there. I just can't completely slam the door on him because he's Gronk. Best tight end of the modern era. Jared jumping in saying, who the hell gives Huddle Up, uh, the Huddle Up podcast, Football Priest, a thumbs down? All thumbs up from my side. Good show. Don't worry about the haters. Keep on keeping on. Appreciate you, you, bro. Thank you, Jared. Michaela jumping in. Speaking of superstars with a $10 super, thank yeah. you so much. She says, three and 13 makes no sense everyone agrees that we got better. How we are predicted to have a worse record from last season, shrug. It's anybody's guess. I mean, you could make an argument for the Broncos to have a worse record than last year, but make the argument. Explain yourself. Bring some kind of rationale and logic to the table, even if we disagree with it, at least try and back up your claim. Now, in fairness to – uh, what's the show called again? First things first, in fairness to them, maybe their programming doesn't allow for them to go through each team and explain the record, and they kind of have to land on the highlights of their. And that's probably the case, but still, you would think that when you're going to make something that egregious, you know, going from a second place team that won seven games despite a three headed quarterback rotation, a carousel, to three games you at least probably want to mention it. I mean, the, that's the first thing Mangini said when they got to the AFC West, picked a bone with that. So anyway, we could go on and on, but it's it's annoying.
1: Chiefs fan, that's the best way. <laughs> that's the Chief best fan. justification. Just them.
3: Amen to that. All right, let's see here what else we got. Let's see what Dutch Maydew wants to, wants to say. I've heard Bouye is a really solid guy to, uh, to cover any number two receiver, but seems like we don't have a a bona fide number one to cover the truly elite. Yeah. That's the concern. He is a really good, like he's, yeah. he is a great, well, he's a really good number two corner. He as the number one last year in Jacksonville, Zach, after Jalen Ramsey and all that departed, he didn't seem like he was quite up to up to snuff, but there's a part of us that has to question whether or not that had to do with just how badly Jacksonville as a team was coming apart. Right. It seems a serious lack of talent at key positions. I mean, that wasn't the same team that got to the AFC Championship game two years prior. So there could have been some mitigating circumstances there. But to balance that out, Zach, it's that he's playing in a scheme that Fangio believes he was born to play in. Like he believes Huye yep. is the quintessential Vic Fangio corner. So
1: that could be something that boosts him up. Boye has to prove himself, but look at the dumpster fire that was in Jacksonville, Chad. Between Ngakwe, what's going on with him, they traded Jalen Ramsey. I don't really... Uh, give the benefit of the doubt to Jacksonville. I'm willing to say that Boye is a really, really good number two with the potential to be a good number one. He was an all-pro a couple years ago. Pro bowler, he can be back to that level in a much better system with Vic Fangio. And again, it's the sum of all their parts. They don't really have a true lockdown, Champ Bailey number one cornerback, but they have a really good scheme, really good pass rushers, and really good safeties. And all those factors together will make up for that lack of a number one. Terry? Up in Canada
3: proving as always that Broncos Country is not a geographic location, it is a state of being. That's right. Appreciate you, brother. Hashtag football priest, hashtag state of being and Broncos World. You know, we appreciate you. We couldn't agree more, guys. Well, let's 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 stop with the haters. You know, yeah. let them let them eat their hearts out. It's all good. Kevin P jumping in. Appreciate you, Kevin. Superstar. Ten dollar super. He says it's Pat Shermer's first year. Dream team O-line, minus the tackles. Uh, Wes, what am I missing there, Zach? W-E-S. Hang on. Um, Wide receivers? Oh, yeah. Wide receivers, running backs, and a reliable punter. Everything is in place to have a cohesive and believing team. You know the D is strong. Hashtag, y'all are the shizzle. <laughs> That's an hashtag, interesting you sentence, know Kevin. the D is strong. That's a good <laughs> hashtag right there. Yep. That's a T-shirt. You know the D is strong, baby. And I'm talking about Denver. Defense. (laughs) Anyway. Appreciate you, Kevin. Um, Jordan, stoked. The face mask on the way. Awesome. Super pumped. Awesome. Make sure you send us a uh, selfie that we can give you some love and shout you out, my friend. Uh, Brian wants to take exception to the idea that the Dolphins are going to suck. Don't sleep on the Dolphins, he says. They, like us, Turned it around on the tail end of the season under a first-year coach and really, again, like us, had a very good draft in free agent pickups. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go from seller-dweller to challenging for maybe the number two spot in the division. I mean, it's going to be wide open with with Tom yeah. Brady leaving, I think. Um, I'd probably still put my money – no, I'd probably put my money on the bills to, to win the yep. AFC East, although yeah. you just can't rule out the Patriots. Be- Belichick is Belichick. The Dolphins, though, are going to have a lot of growing pains. And one of the concerns we had with Tua, as great as a quarterback as he is, you have to worry about his health situation. So, you know, that's just a team that's going to have to prove it through the Refiners Fires Act.
1: I do like Brian Flores, though. I think he's a good coach, and he has that that team on the right track. They might go through another down season, but by 2021, with Tua as the franchise quarterback, they continue to add to that program. I think they're going to be a really good team for years to come. I do like Tua, but he's not a lock to start the first half of the season or even the entire season in general. So it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for the Dolphins, but I think going forward, they're going to be the new cream of that AFC, West, AFC East crop. Excuse me.
3: Vinay wants to know, do you see similarities between the 2020 Broncos with Pat Shermer and the 2017 Vikings with Shermer? They ranked third that year. Sutton is the Thielen. Judy is the Diggs. uh, Lindsey and Gordon are the McKinnon and Cook. Fant Rudolph. Locke, though, being greater than Keenum. Very interesting. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of similarities when you lay it out like that, Zach. However, Case Keenum, as we all know, was a severely and significantly physically limited quarterback. Right. So if you put a more dynamic guy there that's that's got the swag, that's got the dynamic ability, the arm talent, you could see that offense because the Vikings were good and they had some explosive moments, but they weren't like, I mean, as he says, ranked third year, uh third that year, was that in total yards off the top of my head, was that scoring? I don't know. But I think with the with the quarterback upgrade lock over Keenum, All bets are off on how good this offense can be. And that's something, in fact, Cortland Sutton talked about today, that the Broncos' offense could be unguardable. If everything comes together the way that they hope, unguardable, to use his verbiage.
1: You know what? On paper, I'd give the advantage to the Broncos, the talent level, but it comes down to offensive line as well. And I think Minnesota had a better overall O-line that year, but the Broncos, if Garrett Bull shapes up and Juwan James stays healthy – and Cushenberry is, is you know a plug-and-play starter, which he should be, they should be better too. So all things being equal, potential on paper, I'm going to give the advantage to Denver because it comes down not only to O-line but quarterback. And we all know how I feel about Case Keenum. He was a flash in the pan that year. He was an outlier. We he, saw, he showed his true colors in Denver, Chad. I think Locke is a better, like you said, athletic, stronger armed. He's just the it-factor franchise guy. Great question, great comparison. I'm giving the edge, though, I think, to Denver, at least for the long term.
3: Gas station sushi. Ooh, that gives me yeah. the chills just even saying that. Do you think that Denver's regular season wins uh, wins over seven and a half? Uh, 135 is a good bet. What is the 135? I don't do yeah. a lot of betting, so is I don't know. Points? Is that? Yeah, I, I don't know. know. Points I'll tell you the, the, the It is the over-under for win total is seven and a half. I am taking the I'm taking the over and I think it's a solid bet. I mean, look, with Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen combining for only 3 of the team's 7 wins last year, they won 7 games still. Drew Lock upgrades on the offensive side, coaching wise, upgrades of personnel offensive side, some retooling on the defensive side. Vic Fangio expecting that this defense as it, you know, if you look back at Vic, Vic Fangio's um resume in his pre- most recent two NFL stops, for example, the Niners and the Bears. It took a year or two for things to gel, and it's that second year where things really start coming together. So I'm taking the over, and I do think that's a solid bet, even though I'm not much of a, of a betting man.
1: They won 11 games with Vance Joseph. Uh, unless your name is Nick Wright or you don't have a functioning brainstem, you are pounding the over right now. Seven and a half should be easy for Denver. They should have that within the first 11 games or so, I believe. Damien, jumping in, $5 super. Really appreciate you, Thank brother. You, he says, what are your
3: feelings about Dre Kirkpatrick? He's okay. I mean, the he's – I think he's – I don't know if I'd quite call him a bust myself, but he's borderline. Like, he just never quite lived up to his his draft pedigree, similar to Darko as uh, Denard, although I would say that Kirkpatrick paid more dividends than Denard did for the Bengals. But I'm okay with the Broncos sitting that one out, Zach.
1: Same. I I wanted a Mucamara. I didn't really want Logan Ryan or Denard or anyone on the open market. If it comes down to that, it, it's almost a, a you know a subtraction by addition. Adding someone like Drake Kirkpatrick who would take reps away from Bosby or or Michael O. I, I just I, I don't like him. I I'd, I'd be comfortable the Broncos not signing him.
3: Uncle Jacob, I trust Munchak. I'm just saying that I think Bowles struggled because of frustration. Anyone who's played sports knows. The guys who make stupid plays, they make stupid plays because they were frustrated. Hope Bowles has grown. We all hope that he's grown, Zach. But oh. that's part of what he needs to show progress on is the poise and the awareness and the discipline to know that things, maybe the first two quarters I've been getting my ass kicked by this you know, defensive end or whatever and made to look a fool. Maybe I've given up a couple of pressures but I can't let it get to me. I have to stay disciplined. I have to play within myself. I got to play within the whistle and not get lazy or snap and have my temper rise and then tackle a guy as he's trying to turn the corner like we've seen him do a million times. That's honestly the biggest problem for him is just that discernment of knowing when to just pull off the reins a little bit. He's got the talent, that's a, he's got the size, all those things check the boxes get checked. It's it's between the ears and a big part of that it's not just football IQ in terms of knowing X's and O's Zach and knowing technique. That's a big part of football IQ, but also just being smart enough to know basically not to not to screw it up, how not to screw it up and being frustrated. You have to know when you're frustrated. You have to recognize that, Zach, and not allow it to bring you and the team down.
1: I mean, I guess I agree. I just really hate making excuses for the guy. He's a fourth year tackle now. The time for prove it or the time for learning curves is over, Chad. He's a former first round pick. He's in his late 20s. Are we chalking up his drive killing penalties and his boneheaded penalties to frustration? You it's the it's the NFL. It's doggy dog. You're at the highest level of competition. I, I can't make excuses for the guy. I, I think he can get better. I think he can be competent but nothing he said or done to this point has shown otherwise. He even made that tone-deaf comment last year where he embraced his reputation. Remember that? He was like, I, I don't understand why I'm getting all these these calls against me or these, these comments against me. How tone-deaf do you have to be to say that out loud or to even think that?
3: Yeah. And that's why even Elway on one of his early, I want to say it was in the second quarter of the season, one of his weekly appearances on KOA, he was like, look, Garrett, has to recognize – he actually – I think it was actually what he said was he questioned, does Garrett know what holding is? Does he actually (laughs) know what it
1: is? It's a valid question. I I don't know. I can't say with certainty he knows what a holding penalty is at this point four years later. Or maybe it was him something more to the
3: effect of, you know, we have to do a better job of helping – making sure Garrett understands – you know, what's acceptable, what's not when it comes to to holding. Look,
1: look what that. L.A. just said, though. He goes, everyone's frustrated with Garrett. I mean, he Definitely. even realized he, he's the general manager who never shows his cards, Chad, and he's saying that about a former first-round pick. That just echoes he's speaking for Broncos fans by saying that one simple sentence.
3: And he's trying to, to light a fire under bowls. They've really babied him, to be honest yes. with you. And it wasn't 100%. until last season after things really didn't turn, despite the arrival of Mike Munchak, Initially, it looked like he was just going to continue on with another lost season, and they finally snapped Did the, the franchise. Elway has said multiple things that you've never heard him say about Garrett Bowles in the past, and I think even saying that the Broncos are going to let Elijah Wilkinson compete for the left tackle job, like it's going to be an open competition, you don't go out of your way to say that unless you're trying to light a fire, you're trying to, to send a message, you're trying to create the issue, build the issue up in the court of public opinion to ensure that it doesn't get lost on Garrett Bowles. So he hears it and it'll be interesting to see, Zach, whether he, I should say how he responds to that.
1: I mean, his option was taken away. His starting job is up for grabs now. I mean, he's hearing all the criticism. His boss is criticizing him through the media. Look how much the Broncos protected or Elway did. Pax and Lynch gave him every opportunity to succeed before finally having to cut bait. And I see this comment right here. Chad. We're going to get to Larry in a second. But Manny says offensive line positions take a while to learn. Three to six years. Let me ask you a question, Manny, or anyone else out there. If they drafted Gary Bowles in 2017, I told you he needs six years to be a capable left tackle. Would you want the Broncos to make that pick? I can understand a year or two for a raw tackle, but six years for a first-round guy, that's ridiculous. I don't accept that at all.
3: Yeah, I mean, it is an issue. Offensive line technique is just not taught at the college level anymore, and that does, in the true sense of the word, okay, don't get offended, retard the development of some players that are entering, making the jump from, from college to NFL. But you can't use that as an excuse for Garrett Bowles. I mean, he had very little experience playing left tackle. We get that. But he's been coached by some of the best minds in offensive line for the last
1: yes. at least for the last year.
3: Much that. Yes. Those guys, God bless them, because who was it? Jeff Davidson in 2017. He was a very renowned offensive and respected offensive line coach that came over from the Chargers from McCoy. Great reputation, former offensive coordinator. Great reputation. And then last year, or the year before Munchak, excuse me, 2018, it was a combination between Strausser and Sean Kugler, both of whom were highly coveted yep. and experienced offensive line guys. It's great Couldn't point. reach Bowles, hit the bricks. In comes Munchak, and it didn't look like it was going to happen. Finally, down the stretch, it seemed to f- take effect on Bowles. But uh, anyway, we'll see. we'll see how it shakes out. Let's grab Larry here. Appreciate you jumping in. $5 hey, super. Larry an OG of the podcast and a longtime supporter. He says, haven't watched live in a while. Things are crazy. I hate the fact, excuse me, that we didn't get Prince Amukamara, and he is now a Raider. Hashtag dang it. Hashtag you guys are the best Denver Broncos for life. We appreciate that. Yeah, it does kind of feel like, in a sense, that the Raiders outmaneuvered the Broncos to get Amukamara, an ex-Fangio acolyte. But honestly, Zach, if the Broncos really wanted Amukamara, they would have gone out and got him. It, exactly. it wasn't that big of a deal to them.
1: They had the ultimate reference in, in Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel. He was on the open market for two months, shatter over two months before he signed his deal. But you look at the Raiders, first Henry Ruggs, then Amukamara. They even signed Nick K, Nick Kwiatkowski, the linebacker. Mm-hmm. I do yeah. like some of the moves. That's three potential Broncos targets. So you got to give the Raiders credit for plucking talent wherever possible.
3: Undoubtedly. J-Step jumping in. We, you know how much we love that profile yeah. pic, Doug. $5 super, one of our Thank superstars. You. Hey, guys, don't change. Land of choice. Hit that like button. Broncos country, hashtag state of being. Appreciate you, J-Step. It's Thank good you. to see you, my friend. King Hicks as well jumping in. Speaking of superstars, I have to pop in to show love to my MHH family. This is a community. We send nothing but positive vibes here. That's why we have the best fans. Hashtag Broncos World. Hashtag Cali Love. Love it, dude. And one of the cool things about our community is people take ownership in the direction of the podcast, the programming of the podcast, the way, let's say the relationships within the community, the chat stream, the conversation. And we love to see that, you guys. We really do. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Step, since he just did the super, he's got a question. Who do you think will return punts? That's a really good question, man, and it is going to be an issue that will be battled over between multiple players, including Tyree Cleveland, the seventh-round pick out of Florida, K.J. Hamler, the second-round pick out of Penn State, and then, of course, Deontay Spencer. There will be one or two other guys who will take reps. But if I had to make a bold prediction, I'm saying the Broncos end up letting K.J. Hamler do that so that they can save a roster spot and not have to carry Deontay Spencer.
1: I was going to say, there's no way they te- they keep Cleveland just for one-roll returning punts. They spent a second-round pick on K.J. Hamler, and he's not going to be an offensive mainstay, at least initially, so he has to make his bones on specials. Absolutely, he will be the starting punt returner and probably handle some kicks as well.
3: Justin Statler jumping in, one of our superstars. Really wow. appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Justin. Very generous super once again. Made the last two pods. Yeah, What? Okay. Hot <laughs> well, take, that would be a delight, yet also totally plausible. Denver comes out, so his, his hot take would be a delight, but he believes is also plausible. Denver comes out with the number one defense in the league. Vaughn never lies. He said they were done losing. Hashtag let it breathe. Hey, man, I, th- I agree with you. They, this is a defense that could, if all the dominoes fall the right way, end up being number one in the league. I think you'll see some dramatic improvements, but I'm still worried about how that corner thing is going to come together when it all comes out in the wash.
1: Vaughn also said him and Case Keenum are going to dance around the locker room and win a lot of games <laughs> together. So Vaughn technically has lied before. I think he's a little optimistic right now. But I can definitely see the Broncos' top five, and you never know number one if all the pieces step up together. But Justin, you're really channeling little John there that, yeah, what, okay? First of through my mind. That was an awful impression, but I appreciate it just the same.
3: Speaking of, uh, I love fantasy. If anyone wants to start a dynasty league, let me know. Last year, we did do a MHH Fantasy League that Zach kind of spearheaded for those of us uh, in the community who wanted to play. It was a lot of fun. I wish I could spend more time really making my team better than it was. My team sucked. Uh, but nevertheless, we'll probably do something like that again yeah. uh, when we get closer to the season. So stay tuned for that. We'll see how it shakes out. I can throw All something right. together for that. Yeah. All right. We're sitting here at 53 minutes and I think the chat stream just did a jump. So let's talk about what John has to say here and then we'll we'll see what it might have jumped here. John jumping in $2 super. Thank Appreciate you John. you, John. Do you guys feel bad for Josh Rosen? You know, if he wasn't such a doucher, I would, but he's not <laughs> a very nice guy. Fair enough. <laughs> kind of made his own bed a little bit. And I say that, Zach, listen, I was, a, <laughs> I was among the Rosen bros you know, Nick Kendall converted me and swung me on that. Um, and he's really had a bad experience. Not most of it. I'll say not all of it is his fault, but some of it is, you know, he got put behind a crappy offensive line with no talent at the skill positions in Arizona, his rookie year. And he got brutalized, including by the Broncos. Yeah, that was a fun and game. That was a fun game. And is. Then he gets to Miami and it's basically more of the same. He and then they draft another first round quarterback. So it's just it's an unfortunate trajectory. But he has had an influence on that, and he just hasn't been able to stop it from going the way it's gone.
1: I don't think he was a first round caliber prospect. I think he was over drafted, and the expectations were just too much for him to overcome. But you can't feel too bad either. He was given two crappy hands, bad coaching on bad teams, but he's made a lot of money and not having to really do anything to get that money. So you can't feel too bad for the guy.
3: All right. The stream jumped three or four super. So let me grab these guys really quick. You know how we roll on this podcast. No super chat will go unanswered and un... We will not ignore any super chat here. Let's grab JJ, double J bone in the house. Jumping in, Justin Jarvis. Really Thank appreciate you, it, brother. The secondary scares me with potential health issues. The D line can be as stacked as can be, which it is. <clears throat> but if the corners don't do their job and cover uh, cuts off, uh, the pa- the pass rush is never going to get home. And that's a fair point. But one thing I want you to consider, Justin, because we're concerned about the corners as well. The one thing I think that we can help ameliorate some of the anxiety we're feeling is the fact that Fangio's zone scheme, it does put a lot on, on corners plates in terms of learning things, but it also takes a lot of pressure off. them. this isn't the way Phillips uh, passing defense that basically you had to have three high quality man coverage press corners that were elite athletes. You don't really need that in Fangio's scheme. You can, you can hide some imperfections and blemishes, Zach. So, Hopefully that helps them kind of get up to speed, and then maybe they can kind of become a force to be reckoned with.
1: And also one hand washes the other. So if the pass rush doesn't get home, the secondary can't cover forever. They have to be in tune, and I think that's why I think the Broncos will have more takeaways, more sacks, just a more active defense this year between between bringing in Jarrell Casey, having Bradley Chubb, having Vaughn back to being Vaughn, and then they can do enough to hide that lack of a number one or lack of overarching experience in the secondary. I think they'll be okay.
3: Derek jumping in with the $5 super. It's thank good you, to Derek. see you. And thank you, my friend. I'm too excited for this season. Is there any word on how these virtual meetings are going? By the way, my wife cried. She was so happy for the shout out. Awesome. Oh, that's sweet. Hopefully we pronounced her name correctly. I don't remember. Off the top <laughs> she she, she cried because you butchered her name, Chad. <laughs> exactly. Are you sure that's not why she was crying? <laughs> but we really appreciate that, Derek. Um, yeah. The the virtual meetings, from what we understand, talking to the players today, A.J. Bouye said, you know, and Sutton, it's not ideal. You know, they all want to be there. They all want to be in the building with each other. They miss each other, learning with the coaches, on the grass, doing things in the classroom, in the meeting rooms. But they're making the best of it. I think they all recognize that this is going to set them back a little bit, but they're hoping that they're going to be able to make up for it once the cleats hit the grass with just the appreciation – and I mean, when you have something taken away from you <clears throat> and then you finally get it back, right. that comes with a, a little boost. And so I think they're going to try and and hope that that makes up for what they're missing out on right now.
1: And like we've been talking about, it's an even playing field throughout the entire league. 31 other teams are going to be rusty and getting back on the grass pretty much the same time the Broncos are as well. So I'm not worried about the virtual offseason program. When they're struggling in week three, week five, then I'll press the panic button. But until then, everyone is kind of on the same level right now. Jeff Green jumping in. Excuse me. $5 super. Appreciate you, you, Jeffy. Can't wait
3: to just get this season started. Broncos country have been awesome in these pods and on Twitter. Keep up the great work, guys. Awesome. Really appreciate you, man. It'll be here before you know it. It feels like it's a long ways off right now, but – it will, I mean, again, like we talked about yesterday, January was four months ago. seems like it was yesterday's act that we were talking about and analyzing Pat Shermer's arrival to, to Denver.
1: Yeah, and when September rolls around and when week one is here and Monday night, the first game of the year, we're going to be like, what was that issue that was going on before four or five months ago? What were we even going through? So we'll all be happy come this fall for normalcy to return. Mr. Boggins jumping in, oh. good friend of the show,
3: yep. made a really cool intro for us that we use here and there as a little uh, change-up. Appreciate that super, my brother. Thank you. Want a hot take? Nick Wright's hair is real. Nick Wright should have to come on MHH or that's good sports (laughs) to get Adam Rank treatment and apologize. Does it it cut off? Hold on. And apologize. You know, that's one thing, Zach, that you got a hand to Adam Rank is that he made his prediction. He took all the heat when it was wrong. Not only when it was wrong, but early, long before anyone knew for sure it was going to be wrong. Took all the heat and then the season rolls around. He, you know, accepts an invitation from Brandon to go on that's good sports and kind of get poked fun at and talk. And it was really cool. I thought like it made me respect Adam Rank. Doesn't mean I agree with everything that he says as a football analyst, but, you know, he's a good dude. I don't know if that's how Nick Wright is. And to be honest with you, I'm not all that interested in finding out, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how his prediction shakes out first. And then maybe we can reach out and see if he wants to come on.
1: Give me five minutes to debate Nick Wright over the Broncos record. It's all I need to prove what his basis is or lack thereof. That would make for some appointment TV, I think. <laughs> Kelberman
3: versus Nick Wright. All right, let me see here. A couple more that we got to pull from the YouTube analytics. Bear with me one second here, guys. And let's grab Bronco Batman jumping in. Five dollars, super appreciate Thank you. you. B, great work, guys. Uh, well, we bought our dream home. Wife just got called to go back to work, and I want to say happy B day to my beautiful wife, Alicia. Hashtag blessed. Hey, man, that's awesome! Happy birthday. Sounds like everything is going your way, and that's great to hear, man. We love hearing that kind of thing, especially with how dark things have been in this country and then in the in this world for the last two months. Positivity, it's it's so refreshing, Chad, because it seems like it's so rare. It really is. And happy birthday to Alicia from the Huddle Up podcast. All right, let's see. One or two more here, and then we'll get back to the stream. Bear with me one second. We can skip no one, none of our superstars here. Despite what people think. Yes. Excuse me, Kevin G jumping in. What's up, guys? What's the story on Cleveland, Tyree Cleveland? I don't know much about him. I've just seen an article on him versus Patrick. Do you see Cleveland taking Patrick's spot. I don't, not this year, not this year. He's still really raw is Tyree Cleveland. There's a lot of uh, natural explosive talent that he has, but it's still very much in raw potential. He needs a year to incubate under Zach Azani's wing. I think best case scenario, he's a, he's a practice squad guy. You can never rule it out that he could, he could just explode this summer, but I don't think Patrick really has anything to worry about this time. Now, Fast forward to a year from now, and I think he'll be more of a factor if he doesn't get claimed off waivers or disappear. I think he'll be more of a factor with a year under his belt working with Azani to kind of polish off the rough edges in his game.
1: Yeah, watching Cleveland's film, I don't see a guy with a very high floor. He's going to need a year or maybe two years to get up to speed in the NFL and learn a a full route tree and really develop – Patrick is safe. Deshaun Hamilton should be safe. The one who should be biting his nails among the receiver core, Chad, is Jawan Winfrey. I don't think he has a place on this team at all. I think he's a practice squad guy at best. He might just be cut outright, but I think Patrick is definitely safe.
3: Great point. Don't overlook Winfrey, even though he was an intriguing sixth round pick last year and he made that great play in crunch time against the Falcons in the Hall of Fame game. He just kind of withered on the vine and disappeared after that. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, Jake jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. You, Jake. Appreciate the super. He says, super chats, keep the lights on. And now we have pods every day. Thanks to uh, thanks guys. Hope you guys get seven K subs soon. I hope we get a lock passing camp soon. Let me see if it cut him off. That would be cool to get a lock passing camp here very soon. We are quickly approaching Zach, the seven K mark and we are going to work up some kind of uh special day for when we do yeah. crush because we all know the number seven has special significance in Broncos country. We
1: have some plans for that for sure. So
3: Mr. Boggins jumping back in $5 oh, super. Thank you. Oh, here we go. Earl Thomas and his brother should, uh, should debate, should fight, should what? And Deandre Baker, <laughs> and Quinton, Quinton Dunbar, sleep with <laughs> Nick. Wright. Um, for those of you who missed it, yeah, there was there's a crazy story that I I think I retweeted it from SI today right before we went live, so go check it out. Um, DeAndre Baker, former first round pick of the Giants and Quentin Dunbar as a uh, <clears throat> Seattle Seahawks DB, they have a warrant out for their arrest for aggravated assault, um, attempted burglary or burglary or yeah. armed robbery. Unbelievable. And you know, DeAndre Baker was that corner from Georgia uh in the last was it last year's draft or the year before? Either way. He was a guy that m- many draft knicks viewed Zach as the number one corner in the class, but everyone was worried about his uh his character, his yeah. his his and
1: now you see why. And what's weird about Dunbar? He had a conference call today for 15 minutes with the media, unbeknownst to them that he was under, you know, under arrest or had a warrant out for aggravated armed robbery. It was like four counts or something like that. It happened. No kidding. Recently. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's a crazy story. A lot of stuff going on in the uh, the Q times we live in. <laughs> yeah, people <laughs> going crazy. Um,
3: all right, let's let's see. This is one or two more. I didn't realize there was a lot more that the stream jumped than I initially realized. So bear with me, guys. It's all good stuff. We're all talking about the Broncos here, so it's it's all good here. Uh, John Houston, appreciate you, my Thank friend. You, There's a lot of speculation on the Broncos signing a left tackle, Jason Peters or Kelvin Beachum. Also, I would like us to sign Larry Warford. He's a, he's a beast guard and move Dalton Reisner to left tackle with a question mark. You know, the whole Dalton Reisner to left tackle thing, that's a that's an emergency option if the Broncos needed to fall back on it, but it's not the way the team views Reisner. They view him inside. They view him at left guard. And frankly, I think it's one of the reasons Garrett Bowles' play improved down the stretch is Reisner had a calming, galvanizing effect on him combined with getting the right quarterback back there, combined with Munchak getting enough time to kind of soak in on Bowles. So uh, Warford, interesting We've talked quite a bit about Jason Peters and Beecham, Zach. We just don't – I personally don't see anything happening on that until and unless they get to July. So in the short term, I'm, I'm writing it off.
1: He's not going to be available in July. He's not going to be available beyond the next couple of weeks. He's in Atlanta starting job somewhere for starters money, and he would be a great get for Denver, but they don't need a guard right now. They have Reisner. Uh, you know, they have uh, Glasgow, who they invested in. They're good at guard. I wouldn't fix what's not broken by kicking Dalton Reisner to tackle. And it brings me back to the same point. We shouldn't have to be talking about this. Garrett Bull should be holding down left tackle. We shouldn't be having to convert our second-year stud guard to make up for a former first-round bust's, you know, miscues.
3: True. That's true. Yes, sir. Jumping in, $10 super. Thank you. Really means a lot, my friend. Keep up the great work, gang. Aloha, Broncos country from uh, across the Pacific there in Hawaii, I'm guessing, right? That's really cool. We have so many awesome listeners in Broncos country that check in from Hawaii, and it's really cool to see. All right, here's a very, very, very generous super chat, and DA dub. It really pisses me off that I can't show your actual wow. super chat card, but that's unbelievable. You know how much we appreciate it. Thank you. And we want to know how the business is doing. I know things open to back up for you and we're hoping that things are going well at discount audio and wills yeah. and uh, that you're finding a way to kind of roll with the punches. And again, thank you for that. That super, yeah. bro. That's awesome. He says, we are a sleeping giant. Speaking of the Broncos. Elway has done a great job, was getting tired of the Elway hate. Two Super Bowl appearances, a title, Super Bowl 50, slowly reconstructed uh, the roster. What else can he do? Franchise, young quarterback, check. We are coming. Keep sleeping on us. And, Zach, that really, aside from the Elway aspect, it does echo something you say quite a bit. Let them sleep. Let them continue to sleep on this team. It only plays into their hands.
1: I don't want them to be the, the favorite or I don't want them to be champion because they'll read their own press clippings, Chad, and they get big heads and they get too high in themselves. This is a very young, still unproven team with a still unproven potential franchise quarterback. He still has to show it for a full 16-game season. But in terms of Elway, it's a good point. He's done everything for this organization as a player and a general manager except for put the team in a young franchise quarterback's hands. If he does that with Drew Locke, that's why I feel like he can retire a couple years from now on top on the upswing, but not until then. By the
3: way, the minus 35, that's the juice on the over under on the Broncos win total. Thanks for educating us on that. Again, I just I'm not a betting guy, so like those things, I don't I don't yeah. know. Thank you for letting us know. Now I now I uh, I will know that. Cody wants to know what players in positions that we haven't upgraded much this offseason could play above their potential this year. Mine is Devontae Bosby. If healthy, he could become a solid, or a, number, a solid number two corner. I think that's a really good selection, Cody, to be honest with you, um, that we haven't upgraded. I mean,
1: what haven't they? <laughs> Except for a tackle.
3: Yeah, I mean, tackle, I think linebacker, you can see Alexander Johnson perhaps take another step forward. I mean, he had a Pro Bowl-caliber season last year, didn't make it because he was so new on the block, and he played on a losing team technically, and he played. He missed the first quarter of the season, didn't debut till week five on the road at L.A. I think you're going to see Alexander Johnson, who might not be like a slept-on guy per se or in, maybe in the category you're thinking here, Cody, but Alexander Johnson, I think, is a one of the Broncos' dark horses to be a first time Pro Bowler, and that's something that we'll write about as we get a little closer, and we'll talk more about on the pod, of course, too, um, to the actual season happening. We'll put a list together of the dark horse potential Pro Bowler guys, and Alexander Johnson, Bosby as a starter, he's going to have to, you know, before they made that pick of Michael Ojemudia in the third round. I mean, I penciled him in as the number two with with. Uh, Bosby, that is, as the number two Zach with Callahan as the nickel. But I think Ojemudie is going to push for that number two slot, and it's going to be really cool to see how it shakes out.
1: Yeah, I know they upgraded defensive line, but I'm still dying on the Demarcus Walker Hill chat. I think he can play above his potential this year. I think he can be a a contributor if he makes the team, which is honestly no guarantee with Christian Covington out in the fold. I'm just a Demarcus Walker fan. I think year two under Vic Fangio, if he just gets right and puts it all together and stays out of the doghouse, he can play well above his potential or at least the ceiling that most perceive him to be at.
3: All right, guys. We're already ten minutes over. Man, it doesn't seem like we've been no, on the podcast that it long. That today. It really does fly. Um, let me just make sure we are not missing anyone. We'll take a couple extra one here. Let's grab Ginger Ninja eighty eight. Oh no, that's the same one. Okay, MHH Gang, we grab you on that. Um, that's a good question. Who was the originator? So, are Cody your Ginger Ninja? I don't think I ever connected those dots before. So, Cody on Facebook. Is Ginger Ninja, Ginger Ninja 88. Okay, I'm going to remember that. Um, all right, hold on one second here, guys. Let me just get to the bottom and then here's a good one. <laughs> hey, I recognize this guy. He's going to have a podcast coming to MHH very soon here. Our Luke Patterson, or it's a guy that's using Luke's profile. <laughs> it wouldn't be surprising. It happens. We've seen it happen for Zach and I. Uh, And I think it's just the highest form of flattery. It's just fans that are big fans of the Broncos and big fans of what we do. But he says, who has the potential to play and ball out Bryce Callahan or DeMarcus Walker, man, as two guys, Zach, who have been big DeMarcus Walker guys while also recognizing his uh, limitations. What's your answer?
1: I think Bryce Callahan has showed more at the NFL level than DeMarcus Walker has to this point. As much as I like DeMarcus Walker, Callahan's last season in Chicago, he was among the league's best slot cornerbacks. And I think if he can live up to that, if he even exists, Chad, if he's a real person and plays this season, I think he can play above uh, DeMarcus Walker's limited, not limited, but his capped upside in this game.
3: Ron Dubb jumping in, one of our superstars. Appreciate you, Ron. Thank you, Ron. What do you guys think our record will be in the division? I see four and two or five and one. We can heat up near the end of the season and into the playoffs. So, my official game by game prediction that you guys can find at milehighhuddle.com I picked the Broncos to lose two division games the road game at KC and the road game at Vegas. I, you know, I could see him winning that Raiders game just as easily. So, it could end up being one. But for now, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try and you know be consistent, say four and two. What's your answer, Zach?
1: Same, yeah. I said it yesterday. I think they'll split with the Chiefs and the Raiders, and I think they sweep the Chargers. So four and two, but definitely five and one's a possibility. Either way, they're going to have a winning record in the division this year.
3: Coming from all the way up top, MHH Mount Rushmore, through the clouds, to the ground, with us here, Geo George, appreciate you, brother. He says, Thanks, super bro. late to the party, just showing some support. And you're so consistent. We appreciate you, brother. Yeah, George. MVP. Josh, been a minute since I've seen you, my friend. Appreciate the super. And it's good to see you. He says, I think a a good information for us next year would be – a good formation, excuse me, for us next year would be Fant, Hamler, and Judy trips close with Cortland ISO wide on the other side. What do you think? You could do a lot of damage with that. I mean, that would be hard to – Counter as a defense, and either way, you got to pick your poison because if if you end up singling up Cortland Sutton and you drop a safety over that trips uh grouping, Sutton's gonna kill you one-on-one, and Drew lock it's pitch and catch, it's pitch and catch. And then conversely, if you rotate a safety over the top there, that trio is gonna be able to. I mean, that's what we've talked about. And Eric had a video about this. This is a, a Creative offensive coordinators, like, wet dream, dude. This is a – and even today, Cortland Sutton talking about how if everything comes together, this is a unit that could be unguardable. It's going to be fun to see how it does come together.
1: Why wait till next year, though? Let's do it now. I mean, that formation is good to go. And the thing about Noah Fan is you put a linebacker on him, he's too fast for a linebacker. You put a cornerback on him, he's too physical for a cornerback. So, like you said, Chad, pick your poison. You can't cover everyone, and as long as Drew Locke finds the right guy in coverage – a lot of points and a lot of yards on the board this season.
3: All right, guys, Adina. So I I did butcher it. Wait, Sorry. I'm trying to think. Adiana is what I was is what I said. Adina, you have a really cool and passionate husband, and I'm sure you're just as cool as Derek is. Uh, awesome, appreciate the support, you guys. Listen, um, we gotta we gotta bounce out for tonight. Thanks to each and every one of you for joining us Um, here live. It's a mile-high salute to our superstars. Christy, it's good to see you. Thank you for being so active in the stream and showing some love. We appreciate you. And, Luke, yep, it's me, fellas. Huddle up, gets down. By the way, guys, show some love to our boy here, Luke, on Twitter, at Luke Patterson, L.P., Get him some follows. He's going to be having a, his own podcast here coming up really, really soon. We'll be announcing more details on that in the in the near future here. But show him some love. Follow him on Twitter at uh, Luke Patterson LP. And then Zach, really quick, I just want to circle back one time. I think we did get everybody. Okay, um, dude, have a great weekend. What do you got cooking this weekend?
1: Ah, uh, same old, same old, you know, just trying to survive and get to our Sunday pod chat and you know, looking forward to a new week of podcasting next week. More Broncos news. Amen to that. Brandon says, Chad, Zach, what's up from Salt Lake? Drew Locke better do his job
3: so we don't have to ship him out of Denver. I don't <laughs> I think you got to worry about it. No. I really don't think you, you got to. All right, guys, uh, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at huddle up pod. Also at mile high huddle. Find my partner at Calverman NFL and myself at Chad and Jensen. Here's what to look forward to, guys. Tomorrow night is a Dove Valley Deep Divers, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. There will also be a Saturday episode of Dove Valley Deep Divers. So one podcast for each day in the week. You get seven of them. So you got two more to go this week. And then Zach and I will return Sunday night, 615 Mountain, 815 Eastern. Great talking to all you guys. We had a blast. Have a great weekend. For Zach, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you guys Sunday.